Isn't God good? I need about a week here, brother. Mitch Clay, some of you know him. He warned me. He said, man, you got a lot in your heart. He said, just, just, just calm down. He says, talk to them about two subjects, and that's it. I said, I can't do it, man. I tried last night, and the Holy Spirit took over, and I would review with you what we talked about last night, but I don't remember what I said, so... There are some specific things that I want to say. I won't keep you too, too long. But there are some specific things, uh, words that the Lord has given to me. Uh, remember, twofold, individually speaking and corporately speaking. Everybody good with that? Okay, so the Lord said uh, corporately and individually, there's, a, there's a, this, sorry, this time and day that you're living in is a day of pressuring. So some of you, this I'm going to help you out. This is going to help some of you out. Some of you have been feeling pressure like never before. But I'm telling you, some of you are trying to run from the pressure or rebuke the pressure, but I'm telling you the pressure is ordained by God. In this time and season that we're living in. And the reason why for the pressure is for the exposure. So every time that there is pressure, pressure always brings exposure. Exposure is there not to bring you into to, 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 uh, guilt and shame, but the exposure is there so that you can deal with the exposure by the blood of Jesus. So exposure is there to get healed from and to be mended from and be delivered from and be relieved from. That makes sense? Pressure brings exposure. Exposure is theirs not to bring guilt and shame, but to be delivered from so that the end result of the pressure is the fresh oil for the fresh anointing. Okay? If you understand the end process, then it will help you, or the end result, it will help you cooperate with the process. And if you're not going through pressure today... You will be soon. Why? Because God's wanting to expose so much in every one of us so that he can purify us and sanctify us and consecrate us for his glory. And we're going to have to have a fresh anointing with fresh oil for the days that we live in currently. Does that make sense to you all? Okay, so if you're feeling pressure, just rejoice in it. If he begins to expose, say, Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you that the blood of Jesus washes me clean. I thank you that he brings me back into righteousness. And then thank him for the fresh oil, for the fresh anointing, for the fresh call that's coming upon you individually and corporately here. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I believe that God is calling us to awaken us to a new reality, to a new day. Okay, I believe God's calling us. He's awaking His body to a new reality for a new day. See, the highest authority in the land is the church. The highest authority in the land is the body of Christ. It was the way that God has always originated it to be. And see, when the body of Christ began to open herself up and to begin to ordain homosexuals, and to begin to, to uh, 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 sleep with the world, if you will, the last authority in the earth began to, to uh, open itself up and to receive the things of the world. Why is the world so corrupt and so evil right now? Is because we, as the governing authority called the body of Christ, has accepted everything of the world. I'm not saying this church has, that's not my plan here. I'm saying as a whole, the body is that they've been acceptance of things that are of the kingdom of darkness. And they're scared to speak up about these things or to be politically incorrect. But I'm telling you, the body, has, the body of Christ in the original form was always there to call things out. And we're doing it in a loving way and all of those things. I'm not saying anything against homosexuality as far as coming in. We've said this a hundred times. We want homosexuals into our church. If they can't come to our church and get delivered, where are they going to go? Just like we want the addict, just like we want the prostitute, just like we want the ones who's really never done anything, the morally acceptance ones that's been a good man and woman all their life, we want them all. But we won't tolerate with the kingdom of darkness either. 
And this is what God is calling the body back to, which is the original form of government in the earth. We've got to get ourselves back into local government, city councils. We've got to get ourselves back into elementary schools. We've got to get ourselves back into high schools, into the education system. We've get our, get, get ourselves back into the media. We get our, we've got to get some CEOs into businesses that are God-fearing men and women. It's the way that God always intended it. The Great Commission that some of you read, and I understand it, and I'm not denying it, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But if you look into the original, the Young's, even the Young's literal translation, it doesn't say go and make disciples, although we should go and make disciples. It says go and disciple all nations. We're not just here to make disciples, although we are. We're here to disciple nations as the ruling, governing authority in the earth. Praise God. Amen. So in Ephesians chapter 5. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Mark chapter 10. We're going to read that because that's a word that God has specifically for this place. And I'm going I'm to read that in just a minute. First of all, I want to thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Last night was amazing, and your hospitality and your honor and your love towards me and, and uh, all of those things. I appreciate, appreciate anyone and everyone who's had a hand in that, so I thank you all. This is my lovely wife, Chrissy, here, my son, Wyatt. Wyatt, would you raise your hand there? His fiance, my future daughter-in-law, Zanny, is there, and Brecklin is gone. Brecklin's in the crying room. Not that Brecklin is crying. Well, she's probably crying now, but honey, my two-year-old is there. So she was probably crying, and they're probably both crying right now. So I have two more daughters that are Abby and Brecklin. They're not here with us. And we've kind of taken in a 17-year-old girl and loved on her, and she is pregnant, and she doesn't want the baby. Instead of, of aborting it, we are going to take the baby as well. So we've got a newborn coming on the way as well, too. So... We are, we are honored, amen? We are honored. I, I'm a type of guy, I rabbit trail big time, so you just have to deal with me, okay? Because I get a subject and I get to thinking about something. See, we've been praying in America for the end of abortion. Praise God. How many want abortion gone? We want it gone. The thing the Lord began to deal with me, though, is he said the the body, my body doesn't understand the consequences of their prayers. Sometimes we get so, so jealous and so, so anxious and, and, and fierce about our prayers, which is, is good. I'm not saying they're not. But sometimes we don't think about the end result. What if God actually answers those? So we're killing millions of babies. And if God stops that, then what's going to happen to all those babies that are actually being born? They're going to put into an overflow system that we call DFS that is a corrupt system anyways, and it's an overflowing system anyways, and it's a bad system as it is. So now not only are they not being killed, which I don't think they should, but they're now being born, put in a situation that they is a horrible situation to be put in. So the Lord began to correct me and said, listen, if you want to pray for that, then how many babies are you going to adopt? How many are you going to take in? Because you're praying this and you're declaring it and you're decreeing it. See, I begin to add it up. How many babies are aborted per year and how many confessing Christians that they say that there are. And us as Christians could deplete and delete the, 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 uh, the DFS system in 24 hours if we would take two babies. If each confessing Christian that called themselves a Christian would take two babies, we would end all adoption in the DFS system in the nation. See, we're the governing authority. I remember going in my neighborhood and when we ended up buying an old baseball field and we're restoring it right now and, and there were some things going on. I said, Lord, I'm so sick of that city council. Anybody ever been there? They don't know what they're doing. Wait till election comes. <laughs> he said, it's not their fault, it's your fault. I said, Lord, how is it my fault? I ain't a mayor. I ain't an elder, alderman up on the city council. He said, it's not their problem. It's your problem as the lead pastor of your local church. He says, if you don't like it, change it. I said, how, Lord? He began to teach me about declarations and decrees. 
See, we're the governing authority on the earth. Some of you don't believe this. Some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? You don't like it? Change it. If your household is a mess, men of God, rise up and change it. If you don't like it, if your child is wayward, then you stand up as an authoritative parent, mother and father, and you stand up and you begin to declare and decree over your child's life. Bring them back home. Oh, some of you ain't believing me this morning. Come on. We are it. Amen? We are it. So God's original plan from the very beginning, we said this a little bit last night, actually we said it a lot. We hit on it. God's original plan from the very beginning was to have sun in the earth, sons in the earth. When I say sons, we talked about this yesterday. I mean you women too. If I have to be a bride, you can be a son. So, so sons in the earth to have the heart of a father, to have the spirit of a father, that now the father through the son can get his expression, his nature, his character, and his will done on the earth as it is in heaven. It's, that's the original plan for us being here. Some of you are like, I don't even know why I'm here. You're there to be a son or daughter. You're there to be a son in the earth so that the Father can live in you and work through you so that his plans and purposes can be done. There, I just solved the world's problems right there. And we could solve the world's problems if we believe that. I'm telling you, we could, we could start in our own homes, to our own communities, to our own uh, 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 counties, to our own states, to our own regions, to our own nations. To God's going to turn this thing around. You mark my word. It may get darker in the days ahead, but I'm telling you, darkness is just an announcement that your light's getting ready to happen. Listen, the, the, the reason why he's given you a percentage of light is so that you can steward a percentage of darkness. You realize that. Christ is the light of the world. So the higher degree of light we have illuminating off of us is a, is a, uh, sorry, you got, sometimes my wording, my, my, my uh, mind, it's weird coming out of my own home because my people know me. I'm a little slow. And so they just laugh at me as I'm, I'm standing there. Now I'm standing here trying to find a word and you are looking at me like, you better hurry up and find a word. And, and, and you all are making me nervous. So if there's a five or six second pause, just laugh at me. I'm good with it, okay? It makes me comfortable. It's just an announcement. A higher degree of light is just an announcement that you've been called to a higher degree or that type of degree of darkness. It's not only to come in here and rejoice and sing songs and all that. That's amazing. It's to go out there and kick the tail out of the enemy. Take back what he stole from you and from your loved ones and from your community and from your state and from your nation. Amen? Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. All right. So Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says, See that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So circumspectly means to walk exactly, accurately, or diligently. So who are we supposed to walk like? Jesus. Amen. There we go. So to walk circumspectly is to walk accurately according to the will of God. See, God has a plan and a purpose that he's trying to get done in the earth, and he's wanting to do it through you and I. And so he's needing you to understand his will. He's needing you to understand what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Not so that you can manifest or I can manifest our will or walk perfectly according to our plans and our purposes, but we would walk circumspectly or we would walk accurately according to what God is calling us to do. Amen? Amen. And so, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Redeeming means by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. Let me say that again. By payment of a price to recover from the power of another. You were recovered from the power of another of the kingdom of darkness by the kingdom of light by Jesus Christ. Christ walked perfectly and accurately or diligently so that you could be redeemed and I could be redeemed from a power of another. Now he's called us because he lives in us and we live in him to walk in the same manner accurately and diligently fulfilling the will of God so that what? So that we can redeem the time of a power of another. 
That's our plan and our purpose right now in the earth today. So we're agents of transformation. So that everywhere that we go, we can recover that out from under the bondage of a power of another of the kingdom of darkness. And we have that ability. How many believe me? Are you guys okay? Okay. You just chewing? Okay, just listening. Somebody, somebody said one time, uh, Pastor, my mom told me not to, not to speak with my mouth full. So we feed you meat and feed me meat and feed me meat. And we're not being quiet. We're just chewing on some things. So Hebrews, I'm going to prove this to you. Hebrews chapter 11. Some of you know this by heart. I'm going to go there too. I was going to read verse 3, but I'll start in 1. Why mess it up, right? Hebrews 11.1, 1, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now, everybody say now. now. It's, a, it's a right now time for a right now word, for a right now movement of God. Now faith is the substance of things not seen. No, sorry, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Right? Is the evidence of things not seen. So when we walk in faith, James says this, you guys keep talking about your faith, but I don't see anything. So faith without works is dead. So they were trying to say they had faith, but there wasn't any substance. Does this make sense? So faith is in a realm called seen. And if I'm walking in faith correctly in a realm called seen, I can pull out of a realm called unseen to bring it into a realm called seen, which we call faith. Yeah. It's, it's, this is what we're called to do. This is how we redeem the times. This is why Jesus says, go, take nothing with you. Go into town if they receive you. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. All of these different things. And then he says this, tell them the kingdom of God has come or the kingdom of God is at hand. So that when somebody is sick, we say, God can heal you. We say, we, we express that with our words. God, I serve a God that can heal you. Jesus can heal you. Well, that's just words. But by faith, we lay hands and an unseen realm comes into reality, into a realm called seen. And by faith, they are healed. So the healing is the evidence of our faith. Or the healing is an announcement there is a realm called kingdom or a realm called unseen that can be seen when the one is walking in faith. We're not just going around healing just because we can heal. We're not just walking around delivering because we can deliver or raising the dead because we can raise the dead. It's an announcement. It's an announcement of what? It's an announcement that, that you, you, have a, you have power to back up a word that you're saying. Paul says, I didn't come with just enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we got to walk in. I heard a guy say one time, healing is a dinner bell for the unbelievers. And see, the body has been chirping for way too long. We're walking around with a banner over our heads saying Jesus, and we're powerless. We, we say it and we express it and we talk about it, but there's no substance to it. And see, we are called by faith to walk by faith to bring forth an unseen realm called hope. Does this make sense? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Now we can go into how do we walk by true faith. We have to walk naturally and organically in faith when we're rooted and grounded in love. See, anything done outside of intimacy is formulation. This is why the church today has big programs and they got lights and they got this and they've got that. The reason they're having to do that is because they're trying to, they're competing gas stations. And so if I sell my gas for two cents less, then the next guy down the street has to Sell two two liters, buy one, get one free. 
And then we've got to keep doing all this and keep doing all this because we're competing. Why? Because we have a formulation, but we have no faith. Leonard Ravenhill said a long time ago, if your church is on fire, you ain't going to have to advertise. People are going to find you. I promise you. And so how do I walk in true faith is true intimacy. Love is the groundwork. I've got to be rooted and grounded in love. When I'm rooted and grounded in love and intimacy, this is why intimacy is so important. I walk in true faith. It's a natural occurrence or it's a natural substance of my love walk. Does this make sense? So if I'm walking in love, I'm walking naturally in faith. I'm not, I've heard people say, just, just stand in faith, brother. Just hold on to the faith. Well, I'm pretty sure I can't lose it. Like, it's not something that I'm wobbling in my hands and thinking I'm going to lose it at any time because there's a circumstance that arises that I don't like. Why? Because I'm rooted in the one and the only one who can hold me, who has sealed me, who loved me from the beginning, who sees me in my mess, called me out of my mess, still loves me in my mess, still loves me in my ignorance, and loves me in my best. I can't walk in anything but that. And we've got to get back rooted and grounded in that love so we can walk in natural faith. When I'm walking in natural faith, guess what naturally happens? Hope. I'm t- we've complicated this thing. That's why some people right now, if, if, they, if they broke in right now and there's somebody who needed a healing and they brought him up here and all of a sudden I would say to you, can God heal this person? Everybody would go, yes! And I would say, then come pray. And you'd go, oh. <laughs> but we, we all, every single one of us, this is, this is the body of Christ. We all have that ability. And see, I'm telling you, if you see that, if you're walking in true intimacy, you're walking in true faith, you look at that as nothing more than God's going to heal them. You see that as nothing more than an, than, than an opportunity to manifest a kingdom that we talk about. And then hope comes from an unseen into a seen. And now it comes out of the unseen called hope and it manifests itself in faith. And now it's no longer unseen, but it's seen. And when you see the unseen come into reality of the seen, guess what it does? It causes you to understand his love in a greater way. And you have this amazing cycle and circle of love causes faith, which causes hope. When you see hope, all of a sudden it causes love. And you're just walking in this love-mic, rhythmic love dance. Is this making sense to you? It's called pericoresio. Has anybody ever heard of that? Pericoresio, from the very beginning. Pericoresio, from the very beginning. You had Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a, a perfect rhythmic love dance in unity of one. Uh-oh. It's a circle dance. Why do you think Jewish tradition, give me, give you, you, and you, hurry. Come on. Everybody's like, oh, I shouldn't have sat on the front row. Right? <laughs> Here, rock arms, rock arms, and then circle. This is the, how many traditional cultures do you see doing a love dance like this? Many. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand clap. Great participants. They're doing a, they're doing a dance like this. Listen, this wasn't man-made. This came from the heart of man who God created. It was an evidence. It was a manifestation in the physical of what was going on and what is currently going on in the eternal with a true love, rhythmic dance of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that when you got accepted, see, Adam stepped out of that love dance. He stepped out of that love dance. See, and in, let me say this. In that rhythmic love dance, something always is birthed through it, which was all of creation. And Adam stepped out of that, but Jesus regained ourselves access back into that. And so now you don't have just Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But listen, you don't have billions that have wrapped their arms and doing this love dance. What it is, is that we're in Christ. Christ is in the middle of the love dance. And now all of a sudden, when we step into Christ, we just automatically stepped into that love dance. And because of we're in that love dance of Father, Son, Holy Spirit being one, and we're one with them now. Do you understand? This is what Jesus said. Father, as you and I are one, 
He, he was here physically. He said, and where I am, there they will be also. Even though he was there physically, he understood he was there spiritually. And as, as you, Father, and me, and I am you, let all of us just be in one. Restore us back to that original love dance that I once knew with you, Father. And when he came into it, you came into it as well, too. And every time there's that true love rhythmic dance going on, something always gets birth, and it's called hope. Didn't mean to say all that. But now faith is the substance. And we've got to begin to walk in that substance. When you're at your work or wherever you're at, you've got to walk in that. Listen, when we've been in Utah, I'm telling you, the time is now. It's a right now time. The grace of God is in the atmosphere to do what you've been desiring to do. Some of you are like, man, I just want to pray for the sick. I just want to tell my testimony. Now is the time because the, I'm telling you, it's like a fog that you can't see. But the grace of God is here to do what you have been desiring to do, what you've been praying to do. I'm telling you, you step out in faith. I'm telling you, the time is now to finally t- step out in faith and to do everything you're called to do. Next time you see that person limping you go get them sick them I'm telling you I know that scares the snot out of some of you but I'm telling you there's a grace in the air do you know what grace is grace is an empowerment of God to do what you can't do on your own I'm telling you it's all over it's like we talk about Utah a lot because it's fresh on our mind but listen it's happening here it's happening in Utah it's happening in Africa I've got a buddy over there in Africa right now who's sending me videos daily going through villages and people are getting healed miracles are breaking out I'm telling you you can't go to Utah which is where we're at in the county that we're at is 85 percent Mormons the, the, the city that we're ministering in is 93% Mormons. The church has told us and told us for months now, this is the hardest soil, this is the hardest ground, and I'm telling you, we can't walk into an ice cream store without somebody getting saved. I'm not kidding you. I, we can't walk into a restaurant without laying hands on the sick and watching. They're, we're going to, they're going to this, this crusade people, they're going to Applebee's. Three nights in a row, healed, delivered, and saved. People are all over the restaurant. And I'm telling you, it's here. The grace of God. The time is now. We've got to discern the time. We have to begin to see the dispensation of the time that we're living in. It is a go time. It is a now time. It is a right now time. And the grace is sufficient for you right now. So you go. You go and get them. Okay? So now we're talking about what? Redeeming the times. Redeeming. Taking back power over that power which subjugated it. That's what we're doing. We're redeeming it. Amen? So, verse 2. So, for, for by it, or by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So let me, let me read this real quick. So by faith we understand that the what? Everybody say worlds. That word means in the Greek a period of time. It does not mean planets. It's going to make really good sense for you in just a minute. Okay, just remember it's a period of time. So by faith we understand that the times were framed. The word frame means to mend or repair. Uh Uh-oh, it's going to get good in just a minute. So by faith we understand that the times were repaired by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things or the repairing didn't come from, although they could be seen, the repairing or the mending didn't come from that. It came from a place called the unseen. And the elders obtained a good report on it, or they stood in faith. And then you can go on down here and says, By faith Abel offered a good uh, God a more excellent sacrifice. It says, verse 8, or sorry, go to 7. 
By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things, not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he commended, condemned the world, all of this. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed. What's it talking about? In Noah's day, Noah framed the worlds, or the worlds were framed by Noah, or the time in which Noah lived in, Noah repaired or redeemed. Every period of time, Abraham, in a mess that the world was in at the time, God called on a man, and by faith, he repaired the time in which he lived in. Enoch repaired the time. David repaired the time. He's always had a time. Noah, Moses, the elders obtained a good testimony because they repaired or they redeemed a period of time in which they lived in by faith. Noah didn't just hear God and go, God, I believe your word. We just say yes and amen to your word. Noah, it's going to flood. It's going to rain. First of all, Noah didn't even know what that meant. Because it hadn't rained yet. Uh oh, some of you guys didn't know that. Sorry. Just look into that. It's true. So, so he didn't even know what that meant yet. But he just by faith. Faith wasn't just believing. Faith was actually going and doing some action with it. So he went ahead and believed. And because of his belief, he went ahead and built an ark. And because of that, he redeemed and repaired the time. Is this okay for you? It's making sense? And this is what God is calling for us to do currently right now. He's looking for a group of people, some men and women that he calls his body, to by faith believe what he is saying, put action with it, so there's some redeeming coming. My buddy, my buddy that started this whole and spearheaded this whole Utah thing, he was a nurse practitioner, had an amazing house on like six acres, beautiful family, beautiful practice, making... I don't know how much, but he was making enough. Lots of money, right? The Lord told him, hey, I want you to sell everything, stop your practice, sell everything, buy a truck, buy an RV, and you're going to travel the nation. You're going to travel to America. And so he did. And so he ends up in Utah. God gives me a prophetic word on a Saturday when he was at his lowest point in Utah, knowing that he was supposed to be there, not understanding, though, like why I'm here. He's just by faith. He put action with it. Amen. He did some things according to the word of God. He's got actions. He's at his lowest point. I don't know that he's at his lowest point. I'm praying for him on a Saturday morning. The Lord says, Blue Ford. I'm like, what? Blue Ford. Okay, Blue Ford. And so Aaron calls me Sunday morning. He's like, man, I, I am at my lowest, man. I need some prayer. <laughs> I, I know this is what God called me to. Da, 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 da. I said, I got a word for you. He said, you do? I said, yeah, now just hold on. <laughs> he said, what is it? I said, Blue Ford. <laughs> he said, what? I said, Blue Ford. He said, I'll take it. I said, okay. He he texts me Monday, said, are you ready for this? Question mark, question mark. He puts on the St. George community page. Hey, we're a family of five, just want to love people. We got a tent, we just need a land. A guy immediately gets a hold of him and says, I've got a field with 50 acres, you can put it on me. He ends up being a multi-millionaire. I'm not going to go into it because I'll start telling all these testimonies. Anyways, it was a God thing. Aaron says, I stand on the land. He says, I'm driving there. I said, Lord, I need a sign. I want a sign. I need confirmation. He says, there's a, there's a house right there. And he's saying, this is my Airbnb house. There's six uh, RV trailers right here. They're all Airbnb. I'm going to clear my schedule. All your ministers that are coming in can stay here for free as long as you want. He's like, man, praise God. He says, and oh, and behind you is the field I want you to set the, the tent up in. He said, I turned around and there's a big blue Ford tractor sitting there. A big blue Ford tractor. And the Lord said, there's your confirmation. And he sends me a picture of the big blue Ford tractor. And I'm telling you, see, by faith. So, so when the, the local pastors were, were upset with us and were wondering why we were there, they said, I, I think we believe that you, you're here because you don't think we know what we're doing. 
I said, you tell me you think I left my family in southwest Missouri, traveled 19 hours one way to sit in front of a, in a desert in the middle of a wheat field in Utah with Mormonisms breathing down your, Mormons breathing down your throat because I don't think you know what you're doing. I said, I'm here because Aaron's quacky thing of selling everything in a blue Ford. But I'm telling you, God is redeeming and he's repairing the times in which we live in because he had about four crazy enough people to believe what he was doing in the middle of a Mormon estate. And God's moving. And the Mormons will be saved. And the temples will be filled. And the true, real Jesus will be served. Amen? Last thing, everybody say amen. amen. Go with me to Mark 4. 10, 10, sorry. I'm going to give you this and then I'm going to release this word. And then pastor, you can have it back. Can I have the piano player lady? Thank you so much. See, anytime you bring him or her up. You, you can feel a release in the room. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to tell some things here, Pastor Kay. So, so this is a, a, a tactic we use. See, she's, I've already said I'm, I'm, I'm ending. She's up here. She's getting ready to play. All of you think in, a, in two minutes he's done. I could set up here for 30 minutes and y'all wouldn't realize it. <laughs> See, we play with your mind like this. This is what we do so we can buy some more time. We're willing to do about what everything, just to get some more time. So, God's good, isn't he? I've been telling you this. I'm going to tell you it again. There's a breakthrough coming to this place. There's a breakthrough coming. But I'm telling you, the breakthrough is going to bring a new identity to this place. This is what God's calling. This is what God's saying to you this morning. So, in this... Mark chapter 10, I'm going to start in verse 46. Now they came to Jericho as he went out. Remember, this is a twofold, individually and corporately. They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. I'll say this real quick. Even my Bible here, you know everything written in your Bible is not true? (laughs) Sorry, I love doing this to you. In my heading right here, it says, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. He's not blind. See, I want to write a Bible so bad because I want to say, I want to, I want to do this. This is a story about a man who was blind but is no longer, and his name is Bartimaeus. That's what I was saying when I was talking about the words. Not Okay, you guys, don't hang me. I'm not getting invited back. I can already feel it. Well, what I'm telling you is religion will call you by an old identity. We still talk about blind Bartimaeus like he's blind. What do you who do you call Thomas? Doubting? He ain't doubting no more. He's in glory. The lady with the bloodish, she's healed. The leper? No, no, he got new skin. It's an old identity. Don't let religion stick you in it. Verse 47, when he heard, Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then they warned him to be quiet. See, I'm telling you, there's a group of people when your new identity is upon you, they're going to tell you to be quiet. And I'm telling you, it's going to be the church. The church is going to come against you and they're going to tell you to be quiet. We've been hearing it for months now. You guys can't teach that. That's not right. They're coming against our doctrine. They're coming against our theology. They're coming against what we're doing. They're standing up in the middle of a field and a tent because they don't understand what's going on because God's coming there to mark them, to re-identify them. And there's chaos in the middle of a tent in the middle of that wheat field in Utah. And half the tent rises up against us, protests and walks out. 
And I'm telling you, there's 20 people that are slain in the Spirit, delivered and set free. We've got a lady with, from her chin all the way down, tattooed, tattoo artist, lives up in the low-income houses. And she would walk 30 days. She didn't know how long we were there. But every day she was sitting out in her front yard getting drunk because that's what she does. She would go down to that wheat field and she would stop about three-quarters of the way and she'd begin to cry because she knew the church wouldn't accept her. And she went back home and she would get drunk and she would pass out. And the next night and the next night and the next night, sitting there drinking her booze, wishing to God she could go in that tent, but knowing deep down that those people wouldn't want her. See, the church has got to get a new identity. And I'm telling you, God is calling the local leaders and He's calling the people of God to re-identify themselves. And just like in the book of Acts, if if you say no to Him, just like in Acts 13, it said the Gentiles heard Paul talking. And Paul quotes in Old Testament, he says, I'm telling you, be careful, you despisers, for God works a work in your day that you do not see. And you don't want to be that church. But I'm here... And I prophesy over you today that God is doing a work in your day right here and right now. Do not not pass it by. You've got to recognize it and understand that God is doing a move in this day like He's never done before. And He's doing it in the local church. And if we won't receive Him, He's going to go to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles begged Paul, come and teach us at the next Sabbath. Come and tell us those words. It was the Gentiles. It was the the least of them. It was the misfits. It was the dogs of those days. God moved from that body. From them religious leaders. And he went and he found himself some misfits. Day 30, she didn't even know it was the last day. It was a testimony she gave. She stood there. Crying her eyes out, saying, I just want to go in. She said something just gave her the strength, and she walks in the side of that curtain, comes in and tries to slip in quietly and sits down. And a buddy of mine was up there preaching, and he looks at her and he says, Ma'am, why did you come tonight? She come up to the front of that place. She laid down her life. She kneeled down. It was the most authentic thing you've ever seen. And she began to confess. No one led her in the sinner's prayer. No man held her hand. She dropped down by the, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost in that place. She dropped down and began to confess every sin that she'd ever done. Right there in front of everybody. And we laid hands on her. And she got healed. And she got delivered of demons. She gave her life to the Lord. And now she is working for the kingdom of God. Listen, this is how we're redeeming the time. This is how we're mending a broken generation of men thinking that they're women and women thinking that they're women. All of that. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying to the church, do you know what to do with them? Do you know what to do with them when they come in front of you? Do you have a word for them? Are you so intimately in love and connected with God that He can speak to you? Women at the tent in Utah coming up to me. Hun, how can I help you? I've been raped by my father in polygamy. Coming out of polygamy. I've been raped by my father. And my father let all of my brothers rape me. And I said back home to the church two weeks ago. Do you know what to do in that situation? Because that's a broken thing in a world we live in. And God needs you to redeem it. And I was honest with my congregation. I said, I know most of you in here. You would come and get me. You would come and get me, but I'm telling you, God's calling every one of you. Every one of you, not me, not pastors and prophets and apostles. He's he's calling the body of Christ to come back into the original authority. So that His governing authority, so we can disciple nations now. And we can redeem time. And we can be the ones. History will write about us. I'm telling you the Jesus movement and that thing that happened, this thing that's getting ready to happen is bigger than that. And they wrote about that and I promise you they'll write about this generation. God's calling you to a new identity. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. 
Be quiet, be quiet. Son of David! He knew. He knew his identity was getting ready to change. Don't you tell me to be quiet. My identity is steps away and I can hear it. See, this is what I was saying before service, when we begin, or before I begin to teach. Your breakthrough is so close to you that if you would just listen, you could hear the footsteps of the one who's coming to rename you. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They then called the man saying, say to him, be of good cheer. I'd be, be quiet. You weren't even with me. That's what I'd tell him. Be quiet. You weren't even with me. Rise. He's calling you. This is the perfect part right here. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Abonia, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Here he is, blind Bartimaeus. Be quiet, be quiet. He's sitting there begging and he has his robe on. Do you know what the robe at that time was? It was an indication or identification that he was a beggar. See, we can't miss this part. He heard something. I hear, who's coming? Jesus of Nazareth. Son of David! Son of David, have mercy on me! Shh, be quiet. No! No, no, my identity. I can hear it. He steps away from me. Son of David, are you there? Be a good cheer. Why? What? He wants you to come. What's he do? He, before he could see it, he stripped off his old identity. He knew because of the one in his presence that I was getting ready to be identified. I was getting ready to get my sight back. Before I could get my sight back though, I stepped out in faith and stripped off that old identity to receive the new before I could even receive it. And God is doing a work in this day and he's asking this place, are you willing to move before you can see it? Are you willing to shake off the old? Are you willing to strip off the old? I'm telling you, Pastor, this is a word for this church. Are you willing to strip off what you once knew? What was your old identity to receive from Jesus the new identity that He has in store for you? And if you say yes, then you're going to have to do some things individually and corporately. You're going to have to do some things. And that's begin to strip off that old beggar clothes because that's not who you are anymore. And I'm telling you, the miracles and the breakthroughs will begin to come when by faith you guys begin to act before you can even begin to see it. You feel that? Because I'm telling you, the new corporate identity in this place is going to come from the new individual identities that make up this corporate place. And as you... Or sitting there on your individual daily basis, you got to begin to call out to God and say, God, what beggar clothes do I have on that don't fit me anymore? I'm telling you, David didn't want anything to do with Saul's armor because it wasn't fit for him. And I'm telling you, you're living in a time that some of your old clothes don't fit anymore. Some of the things that you used to do don't fit anymore. Some of the things that used to work don't work anymore. And I'm telling you, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And I'm not saying it was a bad thing then. I'm just saying it's a new day. And it's a new time. And it's a new era. And it's a new dispensation of time. And this is a new body. And God's calling you to higher things. And He's calling you to better things. And he's asking you, will you strip off the old to put on the new? Come on, somebody. Woo! Come on, will you strip off the old beggar's clothes and say that's who I once was, but that's not who I am anymore. I know that's what they used to call me. I know that's the way they used to see me, but that's not who I am anymore. And I'm telling you, this church corporately are going to say, I know that's who they said we were. And I know that's the name they called us. But I'm telling you, they ain't going to call us that anymore. Because we ain't going to look the same. We ain't going to sound the same. Shia, ya, ya, mama.
I'm telling you, that's the word of the Lord right there. So, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to identify, Lord, what those things are, Lord. What is the old God? What's the old identity, Lord? Show us individually, Lord, and corporately. What is it, God, that you would have us to get rid of? So I pray clarity and understanding in these days and in these times upon this group of people, God. Individually and corporately, I pray for the leaders as well too. To have an ear to hear and an eye to see what your spirit is saying and what your spirit is doing. So Lord, I pray power and boldness to change according to your will. To come out of the old and into the new this day. And I pronounce upon you, prophetically speaking, I pronounce upon you, you have come in to a new day in this place. You have stepped in this weekend. You have stepped in to a new identity. And I know you can't see it yet. And I know you can't smell it yet. But I'm telling you, the feet of the one who's going to change you are in this place. If you would lift up your ears to hear, you would hear the footsteps of the one who's coming to rename you. Jesus. You good, brother? Come on. Come on, can you say yes and amen this morning? Come on, can you say yes and amen? Come on. Can you do this for me? Across the aisles and everything, can you lock hands this morning? I felt this in my spirit in worship. I said, man, this place needs to, to, to prophetically do a, do a declaration, physically speaking, and that's the lock arms. And lock hands. I declare unity in this place. I declare unity in the name of Jesus. And I say this is a prophetic declaration. For every hand touching is a joint coming together in a greater way now. For a greater purpose and a greater meaning. To fulfill the calling of the new day upon this place. And I say that the power of one another will transfer from one hand to another hand to another hand to another hand. And it will be an overflowing current that will not stop and cannot be broken. I'm telling you, there's an electric power coming in here by the power of God that cannot be stopped, that will not be stopped, and that will never end in this place. So I declare this place more unified today than ever before. And I pray that this place will love one another, will honor one another in the giftings and the callings that manifest in this place. I'm telling you, you're more than enough. I'm telling you, you're worthy enough. I'm telling you, God has called you in a new day and has handpicked you in this region to be the light and shining, to be the city on a hill that cannot be hid. I'm telling you, there's a breakthrough that's coming. The only thing you have to do is identify what is the old God? What is the old? What is the robe that I'm wearing that doesn't fit anymore and doesn't suit the new identity of my name? So God, we say yes and amen, and we say let it be according to your will. As Mary said, (laughs) be it unto thee according to your word. Jesus name. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise.